0: We're just going to take the step of faith because we trust in a biblical God, we trust in a God who has everything under control. We trust in a God who knows the beginning and the end. We trust in a God who can turn five loaves and two fish into a feast for 5,000 men. We trust in a God who defeated death. We trust in a God who creates and sustains everything in whom we live and move and have our being. We trust in this God.
1: What does it take for you to take a step of faith? Pastor Daniel reminds us today that all it takes is trusting in God. But it's not a God we don't know. We've watched God working all throughout history. We've seen him come through time and time again for his people Israel. And you've seen him come through time and time again in your own life. God is faithful and trustworthy. And knowing him is everything you need to take that step of faith. Now, here's Pastor Daniel as he begins a brand new message called Jesus is Worthy. We respond.
0: If you think back to 2007 and 2008, we saw the American economy, as well as the global economy, hit the skids in a pretty pronounced way. And um, I remember at that time I was pastoring in Marin County, and I was also working for a man who was a, a very successful real estate and um, and had gotten into the stock market, and it was um, terrifying to say the least, to go to work with this man and watch him, his whole countenance change with each violent swing of the market. How many of you remember those days, watching it go down 800 and go up 400 and go down 600 and then go up 800? It was just, it was like being on the most vicious roller coaster ride. And as this was happening, I remember at the time, because I was working for this man, I figured I better get up to speed on uh, on, on stock market investing. So, of course, I'm like, who's the most famous investor uh, in the world today? Oh, good old Warren Buffett. So Warren Buffett was a, a disciple, so to speak, of a man named uh, Benjamin Graham, who wrote a book called The Intelligent Investor. It's about value investing. And don't worry, I'm not going to bore you with it today, the whole of it. But ultimately, Benjamin Graham's whole position was that you need to look for value in a company. And if you buy a company that is valuable then over time, it will make money. And Warren Buffett has always done that. He's never necessarily jumped all over in and out of the market. He's chosen valuable investments at a good price and he watched them rise. rise. And in this generation, he goes down as one of the most uh, well-known and well-respected investors. And it's interesting, if you read Benjamin Graham's book, The Intelligent Investor, he says something about stock market prices. And he says, listen, he calls the stock market price, he calls it Mr. Market. And he says, don't worry about what Mr. Market asks will give you for your stock any day because the next day he'll come with a new price. And so the whole position is that every single day, the stock market is going to tell you that a company is more or less valuable. And, and, and Benjamin Graham goes on to say that Mr. Market is actually schizophrenic. He can't remember what he offered you yesterday. He'll just give you a new valuation. And if those of you who watch the stock market, you know what I'm talking about, Right? If you watch it every day, one day it's up, one day it's down. It almost seems to have no rhyme or reason. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because value is something that is determined by people. Value is determined by people. If you think that a, a cup of coffee from your favorite coffee place, if if you're willing to give up your $4 for it, then that's how much it's worth to you. That's what it's valued at. So others would be like, I would never pay $4 for a coffee but you will pay something for something that someone else would be like, well, I would never pay that for that. That's the beauty of this whole thing, right? Because value is user-generated. Economics will tell you that supply and demand drive it. If something, if there's a lot of demand for it and there's not a lot of it, the value goes up. But either way, value is actually technically subjective. People ascribe value to something. And... For us here today, we see Jesus as valuable, the most valuable, God's only Son, the only Messiah. And that's why in the Bible you read things like that Jesus is worthy to be praised. God is worthy. But don't miss the fact that people choose to worship, people choose not to worship. For some people, they see Jesus as not valuable. But what's interesting is that ultimately, unlike all sorts of investments, be it real estate, stocks, art, or whatever else, even if users don't ascribe value to Jesus, he is still the most valuable person in the world. Hands down. Hands down. So I bring all this up because we're closing out today our Because Jesus is Real we respond series. We've been going over our mission and vision. Our mission is to simply respond to Jesus. That's our mission. That at every point as a church at large and as individuals, we just want to respond to Jesus. If you were here on Wednesday night, Pastor Bill taught for me and he said, listen, sometimes simply responding to Jesus just ain't so simple. And you know what? He's right. Cause sometimes simply responding to Jesus, we make it really complicated. It's hard sometimes to just live a life of response to Jesus. But really, on our side of the wall, it's hard for God is for real or not. We should just simply say, Jesus is God, we're not, we'll do what he says. But that's our goal as a church, as individuals. Let's simply respond to Jesus. And then we've been doing this vision. Because Jesus is real, because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith. Look around. If a gal sitting next to you say, "Hey, sister," If the brother say, "Hey, brother." Go ahead, just like the Bernstein bands, called sister bear, brother bear. Go on, don't be shy. You can talk to each other. It's church. It's okay. God will forgive you. And so will I. You guys are family. You're a family of faith because Jesus is real, and as a family, we're supposed to be fully engaged. Which means all of us are supposed to do our part within the family, and we all have unique. Things that God's called us to. So it's not about this person does this and I'm supposed to do the same thing. No, you're supposed to do what God's calls you to do. We're all supposed to be fully engaged family members. And as a family of faith, fully engaged, we have a work to do. We're called to transform our community and our world. So it's just not about just being together. It's about we get together. We said that this is the huddle. And what goes on outside of this, that's the game. And I made the point, don't mistake the huddle for the game. So we're, we're huddling together, and we like it. We're getting our marching orders together from the Lord. And then each one of us are going to go out into the things that are in front of us, the jobs God has called us to, the neighborhoods we live in, the sphere of influence we're around, and that's the game. And if we are all, because Jesus is real, a family of faith fully engaged, if we engage in the game of life in Jesus' name, and we simply respond to him, transformation happens, because God's transforming us, and we become change agents in the world. So we've done all this already, but what I wanted to do today, and this is a little unique than what we would normally do, but I want to share with you our core values as a church. Our core values. Now, when you think about a core value, I mean, just think about it. Something's value. It's it's something that that you hold to be valuable. It has some worth to you. And when you think about a core value, the core is the depths of who we are, the foundation of who we are. Now, core values are not what we do. Core values are the things that drive what we do. So if if this is your, if we see you week in and week out, this is going to be a refresher course because you've heard all of these things a million times already. Because because of a core value, because it's the, the DNA, the foundation of who we are, we've talked about these things all the time. They pop up all in different areas. You've heard them all before. If you're visiting with us today, or if you're checking Crossroads out, it's kind of a cool day. Today's the day where not only you at the racetrack, but you get to peek under the hood and see what's under there, why it's there, why we do what we do. And so it is unique. We're going to do some Bible cardio today as well. We're going to flip around the Bible. So I want everyone just to shake your hands out a little bit. That's good. We we want you to stretch before the workout. And don't worry, we're going to go back into our, our expositional teaching where you saw the, the new series, Case Study, Revelation 2 and 3, the seven letters to the seven churches. We're going to look at case studies, Jesus talking about what a good church is and why. But that's, we're coming to that. But for this week, I want to spend some time in our core values, just so you understand this is who we are. This is why we do what we do. So before I do our core values, though, I want to tell you this, whether or not you've ever articulated, everybody has a set of core values, Whether or not you've ever actually thought about it, there are values that you think are important, that drive the way you feel about situations or feel about people. And what's interesting is that if you were to sit down, and I would encourage you too to sit down and write, what are your core values? Because if you understand what it is that you really value at the foundation of who you are, it will help you navigate all the people who don't have your same core values, who do things opposite your core values and why it makes you so frustrated everybody has a set of core values there are certain things that everybody values and they hold to be sacred in their own lives that's why it's so interesting because you know when you talk about people in our day and age people who are spiritual and not religious people who are not religious what's interesting is everybody is technically religious it's just a matter if they believe in organized or disorganized religion Everybody has a set of core values that if you violate those core values, then there is something wrong with you. You're a sinner. They wouldn't use those terms, but everybody has it. The most irreligious, non-religious person is radically faith-based. There's a set of values that unless you live up to those values, then you have some serious problems and you're in need of redemption. So don't ever think that someone has no faith, someone has no religion. Everybody does. Let's just call it what it is. Everybody has a set of faith-based assumptions. Even the most atheistic person still has a set of core values that if you don't live up to it, there's a problem with you. And you know how I know? If you talk to someone who's an atheist, you tell them you're a Christian, watch how they treat you. Watch how they patronize you. It just reveals their religion. They believe as much in the need of redemption as you do. But they would say your redemption comes from not believing in God and believing in the laws as they understand it today of science. And I say the laws as they understand it today, Because the understanding of science for someone a hundred years ago is different than today. And in a hundred years, because science is an imperfect religion, they're learning new things every day. In a hundred years, their view of science will be different again. But it's still a faith-based assumption. So I want to get into everyone has core values. This is the core values of Crossroads. First, we trust in the biblical God. We trust in the biblical God. That's our first and all encompassing core value. Now, notice we trust in the biblical God. So this really speaks to us about the word and who we worship. The word, we believe in the biblical God, right? So our understanding of God comes from the Bible first and foremost. And we worship this biblical God. Now, why do we choose this? First, I'm going to give you just two scriptures, Genesis 1-1, the very first sentence in your Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All it took was one sentence for the Bible to be the most controversial book in history. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, listen to Revelation 22, the last verse and a half, verse 20, the second half, and 21 It says, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. So the Bible begins with God creating everything. The Bible ends with the Lord Jesus Christ and the desire for him to come back. From Genesis to Revelation and everything in between since the beginning of creation until the ushering in of the new creation, it's all about God. It's all about God. The Bible is primarily a book about God. Life is primarily about understanding and growing and learning about who this God is, being part of God's kingdom. So we trust in this biblical God. Now, it's interesting. It took us a long time to dial in the language because we were going to say we believe in Yahweh. We believe in the Trinity. I mean, there's all these phrases and we were just struggling I was throwing out a million different ideas and our leadership and pastors were like kind of trying to dial it all in and we came down to the biblical God because we believe that the Bible reveals who this God is as father son and spirit father son one God in three persons that's the best articulation of the biblical God so that's the God that we trust but notice also We didn't write down that we believe in the biblical God. We said we trust in the biblical God. I chose that for a reason as well. Because there is a difference between belief and trust. Not in the Bible, belief and trust pretty much go together, but in our experience, belief and trust are two unique things. You know how I know? In the book of James, chapter 2, it says the demons believe and they tremble. But are the demons redeemed? Do they have a saving belief? No. There's a difference between belief and trust. Belief says, at least in our experience, I mentally assent to the reality of that. Trust is actually living that out. If there was a chair up here, a crickety chair, I could say I'd believe that chair is going to hold me. And maybe it will and maybe it won't. I trust that that chair will hold me when I slide on into it and see if it really holds me. I have found in my own experience as someone who is seeking to simply respond to Jesus that I believe in Jesus really easily, but trusting in him is really hard. I never doubt that God is God and that I am not, that Jesus died and rose again, but it's really hard when push comes to shove in the areas and the, and the, and the tension of my life to really live out a, a robust trust that Jesus has really got this taken care of. How many of us, we come into church on Sunday morning, we worship and praise God, we just say, Lord, I love you, I trust you, and then right after church is over, something goes on, and we lose it. It's not that we don't believe in Jesus, but when push comes to shove, we trust in other things. And I believe that one of our core values as a church, as individuals, should be that we trust in this biblical God, that we put legs on our faith. And I believe in Jesus, but I don't trust him with my finances, so I'm not generous. I believe in Jesus, but I don't trust him with my children, so I'm trying to manipulate them to get them where I want them to be. I trust in God, but I do X, Y, and Z because I really don't trust him. I trust myself. I believe that God, and listen, if you're here today, I'm not talking down on anybody. I'm living with you. Every single moment of my life, am I going to trust God? I believe. Am I going to trust him? Am I going to have that settled confidence in the depth of my soul? that could keep my mind in perfect peace in the midst of a storm? Can I be like Jesus when, when the tempest is going on all around me, the storm is raging, I could be resting and sleeping in the boat? The disciples, they believed in God. They didn't trust that God had this. Jesus, what are you doing? We're perishing, they cried out. And Jesus woke up. I, always, I wish I could have been there to see that. Like, did he kind of like wake up the way we wake up? Like, You just like pop an eye open, you know? I I always just imagine Jesus just waking up with this Jesus smile, you know, like, I don't don't know, you know what I mean? Do you ever wonder what Jesus waking up looked like? I mean, was he just kind of like, you know, like, I mean, did Mr. Sandman come and visit him too? I don't know. I imagine so. But we trust in the biblical God. As a church, we're going to live trusting in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to do things crazy because we trust God. We're going to take steps of faith as a church because we trust God. If we believe God's leading us there, even if it doesn't make any sense, we're just going to take the step of faith because we trust in a biblical God. We trust in a God who has everything under control. We trust in a God who knows the beginning and the end. We trust in a God who can turn five loaves and two fish into a feast for 5,000 men. We trust in a God who defeated death. We trust in a God who creates and sustains everything, in whom we live and move and have our being. We trust in this God. And the way we trust in God as a church is by trusting in Him as individuals. A church is a called out assembly of people. So we trust in the biblical God. Next, we are all in process. We are. All in process. Now, notice the word all is underlined. What does all mean, brothers and sisters? All. All. So deep. I love deep theology. What that means is that not one of us here today has arrived. Not one of us is not under construction. Yes, God has given us a certificate of occupancy, and he's chosen to indwell us by his Holy Spirit, by faith, but there's all sorts of renovations going on. This is one of our core values. Why? Because it speaks about both grace and formation. It speaks about grace and formation. Because we're all in process, we do not expect everyone to have it all together. Actually, quite the opposite. Our expectation is that none of us have it all together. And that includes me, our entire pastoral staff. None of us have it all together. We are all growing. And because everyone is growing, we are gracious with one another in our growing edges. I think this is an important core value because we are all in the process of sanctification. We are in the process. We've been saved. If you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you have been saved. But as from a position of being saved, you are also in the position of experiencing this new redemption. And each single day, we should see ourselves growing. And we value that. We realize all of us are growing. So if, if I do something that you're like, I can't believe Pastor Daniel did that, you should be like, actually, I can believe he did that. Because Pastor Daniel's in process. When we do something wrong, when your loved one, the person sitting next to you, do something wrong, you should say, I never expected them to be perfect in the first place. Guess what? I'm not perfect. God's, God ain't finished with me yet. When we realize that we're under construction, we give each other grace and we realize that everyone's growing. Think about the people who make you the most frustrated. Oftentimes it's because you're seeing where they're under construction. You just want it to be nice and neat and tidy, perfectly decorated, but they're not. And neither are you. Neither am I. We're all in process. And you know what? God is not freaked out the fact that we're all in process. He actually likes it that we're in process because in Christ, we're all growing. Every single one of us. And guess what? You're not what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be tomorrow. And we just give God thanks that we're here today, right now. And that frees us up from putting expectations on people that are absolutely impossible for them to live up to. Don't set up people for failure, expecting them to be what God never intended them to be on this side of heaven. God On this side of heaven, he expects people to be in process. When we're in heaven, there's not going to be any of these issues. Because we're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be perfected. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. You can turn there if you want. The book of Philippians, it's in the New Testament. One of Paul's shorter letters in between Ephesians, Colossians. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Not that I have already attained
1: is real. Pastor Daniel showed us today that in most things, people determine value. A cup of coffee is worth however much we're willing to pay for it. But Jesus maintains his value whether or not people decide to give him value. When it comes to core values of the church, the first thing to agree on is trusting the biblical God. We trust the God who revealed himself to us in Scripture. We trust Him even when it doesn't seem to make sense.
0: Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live.
1: Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues diving into the values of the church. We're all human and live in a fallen world. Because of that, we're all still in process. Knowing that the people around you are not yet perfect gives you margin in your expectations. The only one who has never and will never fail you is Jesus Christ. Everyone else is still a work in progress. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Because Jesus is Real, We Respond. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.